What up, all you beautiful misfits and rejects out there? Thank you for joining me for episode 108 of Misfits and Rejects. In today's episode, I spoke with Nick and Tamara Lewis. They're down in Patagonia. They are from my hometown of Newport Beach, California, and they have decided to uproot their family and move to Patagonia for one year. I really like their story because they're very transparent about the process, giving, I think, a lot of hope to families out there who want to do this. They acknowledge that it's not easy. They really went down with not much planning. I mean, obviously there was some, but they really just made a go of it, landed with only about a month's worth of uh, accommodation, and then we're going to figure it out on their own. They got their dog down there as well. That's a really funny part of the story. But again, it's just a really cool, transparent story about what it's like taking your family from a very comfortable environment and moving it down to a, a different environment. Not everyone in the family speaks Spanish. They have two little kids under five, and obviously it's a huge change for everybody, but they're doing it because they really think it's going to be an enriching experience, not only for them, but for their children. Please remember to follow Misfits and Rejects on Instagram at Misfits and Rejects. If you like Misfits and Rejects and you want to support Misfits and Rejects, you can do it on Patreon. Patreon's a platform for creators to broadcast what they create and have fans, if they like it enough, to donate a little bit of money, whatever it be a month. It's always appreciated. Nothing is expected. So you can check that out at Misfits and Rejects on Patreon.com. And if you're a first-time listener of Misfits and Rejects, please pull out your phone and hit the subscribe button. If you like the message and you like the episode, please, in your podcast player, write a comment, uh, rate it. It's all super helpful to me in the ratings. It definitely gets my podcast more exposure, the more ratings I have and the more comments people leave. So if you like it, please leave a comment and a rating. And I really hope that any of you out there who have families and are looking to take this first step out into the world with your family into a new environment. You get a lot of inspiration and motivation from this podcast and episode because again, they're doing it. They're loving it. They're having a great time. And I think they both would agree that their kids are going to be the better for it. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Nick and Tamara. Welcome to Misfits and Rejects, a podcast about the lifestyle design of expatriates, travelers, entrepreneurs, and adventurers. I'm your host, Chapin Cruder. Enjoy. I didn't fit in America. With cocaine, there's just always too many guns and too many bad attitudes. I quit the limiting stories. Really try to overcome that fear. And right there, for any of your listeners, a lot of what I was to do in the rest of my life was formulated by the fact I just went and did it. Welcome to another episode of Misfits and Rejects. Today I have my old good friend Nick Lewis on the show with his wife Tammy. They are down in Patagonia with their family and they have decided to live there for the next year and expose their children to the beautiful place of Argentina and a new cultural experience for both of them. And I thought it'd be cool to bring them on to give, I think, the families out there who listen to Misfits and Rejects a perspective on you know what, what logistically it actually takes to uproot your family from a home that everyone's very comfortable in and then go on this great grand adventure together. So with that said, Tammy and Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you for having us. Yeah, it's a pleasure, guys. I'm really excited to hear more about this whole adventure you're on because you've been there now three months. You're in San Martin, Argentina, which is in the heart of Patagonia. You described it before show as like the Aspen of Argentina. And you're really, I think, doing something really cool for not only yourselves, but for your kids. So I mean, can you kind of talk about this first three months for both of you and your children and how it's all kind of played out? And then we'll kind of get into the details of how you kind of made the decision to move and, and got yourself down there. 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we got, I guess, like I said, we've been down here for like three and a half months now. The first two months were pretty bumpy. We came down with a place to live just for the first month. And then after that, we we figured we would just spend the first month looking for a full-time furnished place. And what we didn't realize, we were coming in the, the heart of winter in a really, really busy ski town. So it was very difficult to find a place. So for the second month, we actually spent it in a one-bedroom apartment with our two kids. And we also brought our dog, who's a golden doodle, so he's not that small. And we were stuffed into a one-bedroom one bath for another month. And then the third month we got what is our current place, which is complete game. It's bigger than our house, bigger than our house in the U S it's got a view of the lake. I mean, it's walking distance to town. It's got a massive yard, probably total like over an acre of land. So it's, it's great. So we're, we've took a while to settle in, but now we're settled in the kids are in school and it's all good. That's amazing. I mean, Nick, I mean, I know, I know you, you're a traveling man and you do like to just kind of get up and go. You do have um, that, that buddy pass that so you're always jumping on flights. But I mean, to move your family down there without a place to stay, like, was that in the game plan? I mean, were you, were you on board with that, Tammy, or what? Yeah, I mean, I knew that it would, you know, be some ups and downs and trying to figure out uh, the actual house was going to be challenging. But we did do a lot of research before online, and we just weren't really finding anything. So there was a period where I kind of was like, I think we might have to go home because we are not going to find a place to live. It was, And we were, we were looking at things kind of at all different price points. Like, you know, we looked at a few really two out of our budget and some that weren't, you know, either in a place we wanted or, you know, just not the right house. And so, yeah, there was points where I was like, wow, this is, this is proving to be harder. But I, I definitely I have I have the same adventurous side as Nick that I was I was um, willing to go down with not everything figured out. But it's also kind of our style. We're a little, uh, you know, club by the seat of our pants. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think sometimes Nick can handle that better. Like he's a little more calm as it's going on. I become a little bit more chaotic and get a little more anxiety. Like, when is it going to happen? This needs to happen tomorrow. Like, where's our house? How is this all going to work out? So, yeah. And the one thing to keep in mind is Tamara had traveled a ton as well. So it was like we were both coming into, you know, experiences that were certainly different, but not entirely poor. Okay, cool. So it sounds like, yeah, you guys are on the same same wavelength as far as just, you know, making ends meet when you get there and figuring it out. But as far as I mean, with two little kids, you have a two and a half year old and a four and a half year old. (laughs) Like, that's still pretty gnarly, dude. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we, we kind of, I don't know, what what is, how do we always say, we kind of like, we always like go through the moment and it, and it's painful and we, we always seem to come out of it though. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't we think. Always, we always work it out. It's just like, yes, it totally was painful. And like, there's so many things that were even in the middle of that one bedroom thing. We got, we got kids, lice. The kids got lice. The kids got lice. We were stuffed in this one bedroom apartment. And it was just like everything was falling apart. But we're like, you know what? We'll get through it. And we laughed about it. Like We had no dryer because they only really have – most houses only have washing machines and they hang dry everything. So we're like trying to get rid of lice without a dryer. I don't know. I'm sure you haven't had lice, <laughs> but it's not fun. Oh, it sounds like a nightmare, especially with two little kids just itching their brains out and just freaking out. I mean, yeah. what? Yeah. What has- I mean, it was definitely – 
some down some 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 not so great times. But it's good now, and it, like meaning it's good to look back on it and kind of laugh about it because it was so absurd and it was so screwed up that you're just like, oh my god, thank God that's over. Did you have, I mean, obviously you're sitting there going through it together, but were you, either of you on the phone back with somebody back home and like confiding in them, like this is just harder than I expected or did you just have each other as a support team? Well, I mean, I did, um, you know, you, we do the WhatsApp down here. So I was texting with one of my best friends from like second grade, you know, I've known my whole life. And I basically, the statement that I made, you know, I thought, oh yeah, I'm moving to another country and that was going to be the biggest change. But I kind of forgot also is I had a job before and we had a lot of, um, you know, help with the children. And so not only did I move to a new um, country, I also became a stay at home mom. So, yeah, I was definitely confiding like uh, we got lice and I, whoa, I have to make, you know, three meals a day, which I wasn't doing before. (laughs) We had a lot of of, I personally had a lot more going on change wise than just uh moving to another country. So yeah, it was definitely like I was confiding in someone like, Oh my gosh, I changed a lot in my life. Not just one thing. <laughs> I, I don't think I had really anyone that I was, I was giving all the details and the blow by blow to, but Tamara likes to say, I, I have rose colored glasses. Oh my gosh. I never focus on anything bad. Like I will only focus on the good stuff. So he, like just now I was recounting that story kind of laughing because I've kind of forgotten about how miserable it was in the moment. Can you guys describe what your lives were like um, before this? Like, Tamara, you mentioned you had a job and life was a lot different for you. And can you just tell us what that was like? Yeah, I mean, um, I was previously, uh, I did 15 years in the wine business. And um, we, you know, in order for us to do this, we knew that Nick was going to work from abroad, but I was going to quit my job. So I was definitely ready to quit my job and spend time with my kids uh, or spend more time with my kids. But yeah, we had, you know, a, um, a nanny that was coming from eight in the morning till five o'clock every day. And we had Nick's mom around the corner. So we basically had childcare whenever we wanted. Um, and so to go from changing that from basically having full time childcare to when we got down here, you know, we, we, we did find a few nights where we got a babysitter and went out. But like, yeah, our life drastically changed from being like two working parents to a lot of childcare help to you know, now I'm put in the position to be running around a town that I don't know the grocery stores and you have to learn all the different food and I'm cooking in a small kitchen that luckily now we have a much bigger kitchen. But yeah, just all those changes, like figuring out where to get chicken and how, and I don't speak Spanish, so how to buy it and where to get this and where to get that. So um, very different than home. Well, yeah. I want to, I want to stay on that note then with you, Tamara, because that's, that's a huge, huge like adjustment period. And I mean, as you're doing that running around, what does that feel like for you? I mean, is, is it scary for you? I know you're well-traveled, but I mean, now that you're, it's isolating. I see. Okay. (laughs) So you feel a little little lonely. Oh, I felt really lonely. I've definitely felt more lonely down here than Nick because, you know, I knew that I wasn't going to be, that I didn't speak Spanish. And so I've had to lean on Nick a lot, which has caused a little bit of friction with him and I, in the sense that, you know, he has to deal with so much more, like, because he can communicate. So a lot of times I do want to hide behind him and I just want him to take care of everything. And I want him to, and I'm, I learned by doing so there's definitely where I I just kind of want to drag him along so that he can just like, you know, help me ask for something. And then hopefully I go back in next time and I get it right. Or I'm, not quite as, you know, shy. I mean, a lot of people do speak English here, 
But I think that, you know, they want to speak Spanish more. And then, you know, not, some of them don't speak English at all. So, yeah, I I'm definitely have been more homesick. I feel more isolated. And I'm kind of the weak link in the sense that we meet people like through school now. And I can kind of tell that they want to hang out with us, but they definitely kind of would probably rather hang out and all chit chat in Spanish. And I, I can't do that. Yeah. So. Obviously the default is always going to be Spanish and we're not in Buenos Aires. We're, you know, we're in a small town. So yeah, there's no expat community to speak of. And then beyond that, finding a couple where both people speak English well is super rare. So you'll find one where one, one of them speaks fluent English and the other one, best case scenario speaks kind of. And, and so you're like, you know, that makes it kind of difficult because having a conversation with four adults around the dinner table, it, someone's someone's getting left out, e, you know, either Tamara or one of the other partners on the other side of that interaction. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's something that, you know, everybody goes through when they make that initial jump. Obviously, you're Spanish. Nick has developed over the years of your travel, and, and now it's like, Tammy, your turn. So um, it's nice to have somebody to go through it with, though, for sure that uh, can always say like, oh, you can say it like that or you can say it like this rather than just being thrown into the deep end. Can you guys talk a little bit about the, um, the conversation when it first started to, to make this move and like the amount of time it, you, it took for you to actually then make it happen and make that, that leap? It's funny because I, I just found out, like honestly, probably within the last two weeks from Tamara that she had always thought that she was going to live abroad at some point. And I, I lived abroad when I was in junior high and high school with my family over in Southeast Asia. And so, and I also, you know, did a semester abroad in college. And I know, I knew that I liked that for that experience and whatnot, but I didn't know that she had those same goals kind of long before knowing me. And um, we, it came about, I don't know, probably four years ago, I'd guess, where we're like, yeah, we're going to make this happen. And, you know, things get in the way, you know, as, as life goes, you just postpone things. We're like, Oh, and then what we decided once we had kids was, all right, the best time to do this will be the year before our daughter starts school, like real school, you know, uh, before she starts kindergarten in the U S. So that's what we stuck to pretty much from the time she was born. We're like, all right, when she's four, we're going to go down there for a year. And you know, the location was a different conversation. That was a completely different thing. How we ended up here. But that's kind of how the genesis came about. It was like a, it was a, well, we know we're going to do this. Here seems to be the right time. So we just started to plan ahead for making sure that everything worked at that time. I, I made my work work around it, and that's how it kind of went. Why that age? was? Why was that age so important to you both for the children? I don't know. I guess I just felt like, or we just felt like, I guess it made sense to do it before they got tied into stuff where they would maybe make more of a fuss about leaving. I mean, now that we're down here, we talk about doing it again, though, like, you know, maybe going back to California and then maybe going when they're like in sixth and eighth grade or something like that. Like, I, I'm not opposed. I don't think anymore because I know what a great experience this is for them. Um, and we're finding, you know, the, we're realizing that the ability to do this is not limited. We could do this as much as we want to pick up the family and move them. I, I think timing, though, also just had to do with, like, I was ready to have more of that mom time, too. Like, I was, you know, I was at a great point in my career, but 
I was, um, she was quitting regardless. I was, I was, I was kind of bored and I was like, okay, the time, once you have a kid, you realize how fast it goes. You watch them like become babies and then they're four years old. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is going so fast. It's time for me to, you know, stop driving around LA and in traffic and doing things that I, I want. It was definitely like a meaningful thing for me too. Like I was ready to spend more time with him. Although the, it, although it's been, you know, it has its challenges adjusting to it. I knew I, I'm so happy that that's what we're doing and that I'm not working right now and enjoying the time with them. I think that contributed to the timing as well. Though, yes. Was that, you know, she was working for a while longer, but even if we had stayed home, I think that she wouldn't be working. right. Now. So she was ready to stop working. So it was kind of like, all right, well, let's do it right when you quit working. And it also works that it's before the kids start school. So it was a pretty good window for us. I see. And then how did that, how did this spot, it sounds like you, you, you had a long dialogue about where you actually were going to go. Can you talk about that a bit? Yeah. Yeah. I'll talk about it. So the original plan was to do a year around the world and to do um, four months in three spots. So it was going to be four months down here. And then we were going to split up Australia and New Zealand as kind of one of the spots. So do two months and two months. And then we we're going to do San Sebastian, Spain for the remaining, for the remaining portion. And um, which are all some of my favorite spots. And so um, in the end, with the time differences and, the, you know, bringing around two kids and having an established kind of home, we've, we kind of came to the conclusion that one spot would be better off for everybody. A little more settled, still getting the adventure experience, but not having to deal with the logistics and resettling every time. And in hindsight, having to go through month two, three or four times. Yeah, that would have sucked. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and then as far as, you know, living in a, in a one country for one year, obviously requires certain visas or a certain strategy, at least to deal with the limited time in which you're allowed to be within the country. How'd you guys approach that? Uh, we're just, um, making trips around it. So we've already, There's we've already one. been to Chile. Right there. Yeah. yeah we got, our four-year-old wants a tattoo. <laughs> Go give her one. Give everyone that says Argentina across yeah. her chest. Yeah, right. go give her one right now. Um, so we're just, we're, you know, we're pretty much just trying, like, working around the system. Three months here, go visit another country. Stay three more months, go visit another country. I'm having some issues with the Brazil visa right now, but just for example, we were in Chile a couple weeks ago to, to get out of the country, so we had another three months here. Now, did you drive with the family or take a bus? That's kind of funny. We drove, um, but one of these weird Argentine laws, we bought a car here. And one of the weird Argentine laws is if you're a foreigner, even if you own your own car, you cannot drive it out of the country. And they're supposed to impound and take your car away from you. Luckily, the, the lady that we got it at uh, Customs was, was pretty cool. And she's like, look, you need to turn around and get out of here because I'm supposed to not only like deny you exit of the country, but I'm supposed to take away your car right now. Wow. That's bizarre. I mean, the whole like leaving the country isn't that weird. Like it's definitely like that in Central America. Um, but yeah, to impound your car just for trying to leave, that sounds a little bit harsh. Yeah. I wish I would have talked to you beforehand. I didn't know that, that was, that was kind of one of the deals of taking your own car out of the country. was not that easy. Yeah. I mean, just getting it registered and stuff seems to always be hard for these countries to figure out, dude. And so like Nicaragua, for example, stopped printing or stopped creating like license plate like 20 years ago. So like you can't even get a license plate. (laughs) 
Come on. That's amazing. It's yeah, ridiculous. But so okay, so you guys drove to the border and then what? So she told you to turn around, so what? You just like got out, walked across, got a stamp and came back? No, we we had like a trip planned to this place down south. Um where the pretty much the Patagonia guy and and the um, North Face guy made camp out of on all these expeditions. So there's a really amazing spot over on the Chilean side. So we just went over to a small town on the Argentine side, left our car there, rented a car for the four day weekend, and went over to Chile. Yeah, what and what should have been like a five hour drive ended up being like seven, eight because we had to go rent the car. What what it was fine. All part of the adventure, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> And then how long, how long were you in Chile for? Like, did you make like a week trip of it or just a day? No, it was like four four days. days. Yeah. That's cool. And you said you guys have been skiing a lot because it's ski season or the ski season is just ending. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. That was one of the reasons we chose to come here. Tammy is a really big skier. And as a result, I've gotten into it over the last 10 years. And there's a, there's a good ski hill just outside this town. So that's kind of one of the main reasons we ended up here. And how is it compared to, like, say, Mammoth, where we, we all know very well in Southern California? Well, it's not quite as big, and, you know, we didn't have that great of a year, so it was more like spring skiing the whole time. But all in all, it's, it's a great mountain um, and perfect place to, to ski to teach the kids. I mean, I think had the snow been better, it would have been, you know, a, a great spot to have 20 minutes from your house. You know, we have a town of 40,000 people and then a great hill, like, it's on a lake. I mean, yeah. there's there's every outdoor activity you could want here. It's world class trout fishing, and there's rafting, and there's skiing, and there's hiking, and there's you name it. Is yeah, it affordable there was to live there? I mean, like, is it like what are you paying to go up the lift on a daily? Well, so we since we've been here, the exchange rate, emerging markets have just been crushed. So out of that free falls, Argentina is one one of the ones that suffered the worst. The exchange rate was 28 to 1 when we got to Argentina and it went to 40 to 1. So, and our rent is in pesos. So, I mean, when we first got here, lift tickets were like 80 US bucks a day. But then, you know, that went down to 50, 60 bucks a day. But then they also go down as the season goes down. So, like, the, right. the heart of winter is more expensive than, you know, the end of spring, which is essentially the hill closed at the end of September. So then it was like 25 bucks a day or something. And the kids skied free. Yeah, and and that, I mean that was one thing. What the other part of that is one of the other main reasons we we're here is so that our kids could really get in a bunch of days on the hill because they're just learning to ski. I mean, Hunter's two and a half, and Addie's four and a half. So you know, she she it clicked this year. She got probably know, north of twenty twenty five days on the hill this year, yeah. and this season in in Argentina. So she's she's got it now. She's jamming. No, no harness. She's just, she likes it. She knows what she's doing. It's really awesome to see. That is cool. I want the audience just to highlight, or I want to highlight for the audience what you just said, because your cost of living just got cut in half. Like that's, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you guys went down with an idea of what you're going to spend. And now it's like been cut in half. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's, it's, it was really fortunate that we signed our lease in pesos because a lot of the leases are in dollars. So we got super fortunate there. And I can't tell you that was entirely my plan, but we might have just got lucky on that one. Well, and it's a little hack that maybe we should all take note of. Um, for example, I'm in Thailand right now. And if when I approach a place to stay, if I just ask for the monthly rate versus the daily, they have to give me the monthly, which is half of what I would be paying. Like 
if I were to pay a date. Yeah. So it's like, it's just those little oh, wow. nuances you learn through hanging out in a place that can just change like your world totally. like it has for you. Um, yeah. Completely. Let's talk about schooling for your children, you know, and, and what was your plan when you, when you, before you left and, and how were you going to approach that when you got there? Well, Nick came down on the scouting trip in March and he went to a few schools, but honestly it was kind of hard to get people to like tell us the names of the schools and like where to go. It was like, it was kind of funny. I mean, we did know that they couldn't go to public because we don't have the right papers. So we don't we, have a, so, a social security number equivalent and that's come into factor in a lot of ways, but that's one of them. They can't go to public school. Basically just spent like the first three weeks walking to every, like walking or driving to the schools and, asking to, you know, have like a, a tour and if there was, you know, room for them. And so we basically probably went to five different schools, like a couple that were more like daycare slash preschools. And then there's like three predominant private schools here that are like kindergarten or preschool all the way through high school. And so we just decided kind of which one we wanted and also was based on availability and kind of like what times they would go to school and stuff like that. And then we just made a decision and. Yeah. So at home, our daughter was in school um, two days a week for school in, you know, preschool two days a week, the last couple of years. And then we had the full-time nanny for our son. And, and then she would obviously take care of our daughter as well when she wasn't in school, but she would have transitioned to three days a week this year. So we put her in, five days a week. And then our son, we just sent straight away to four days a week school here. We pull him out one day a week for him to just hang out with us here. But it's all, it's nine to noon. So it's not like a full day, but it's still, you know, a good yeah. amount of hours and it's all in Spanish. They actually do have an, they have an English teacher, teacher come in that does like a weekly lesson with them, but everything is in Spanish. Wow. That's so enriching. I mean, it's so cool. So when you were approaching these schools, they were very accommodating for Westerners to walk them like a man walk up to their school and be like, Hey, like I want to put my kids in here. Yeah. I'd say that each of these schools has one to two like American um, families there because of the industry down here and like the fishing and hunting world. There are some American kids here. I mean, we don't have in, in the two classes that Adelaide and Hunter are actually in, there is not any uh, Americans, but I do know because I've met a few other Americans that, yeah, they, they were really accommodating. And we Super told them, you know, that Hunter and Adelaide were really good with, like, they understood everything in Spanish. But. Yeah, they, they spoke Spanish before they came. Our nanny in the U.S. was from Mexico and doesn't speak any English whatsoever. They spoke to them from birth in Spanish. I see. That's really cool. That's, yeah, your nanny now. So how did you, def- you find somebody you trusted when you got there to be your nanny? Oh, that was our nanny in the U.S., um, I know, but don't you have somebody taking care of them right oh, now? Oh, yeah. We have we have um, a girl two days a week from Columbia from uh, one to six. So we can just have a little bit more free time to do what we want to do. And um, found her through. Found um, her. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Nick meets everyone. I've, ne- I've never met a stranger, Chapin. Um, yeah. So well, I, through someone I met at the coffee shop, they had, they had known this girl. And she's she's great. She's assimilating well. I mean, all once again doesn't speak any English whatsoever. But she's 24 and she's got a lot of energy, and the kids like her, so it seems to be working pretty well. Yeah, I it's relatively like, new. I feel like we're fairly trusting. Just- yeah, I was joking <laughs> with someone the, over the weekends. I don't know her last name. I should probably know that. 
Oh, this is priceless. I mean, I really appreciate and love how actively you both are involved in this whole process. And it wasn't like you went through agencies to find housing or like nannies. Like you just really got your hands dirty and, and dug in and, and you're making it happen for yourselves and your family. Like it's really beautiful. That's awesome, guys. Well, thanks, dude. Some of it's a complete mess, like getting the dog down here, handling that ourselves because services were like 10 grand us to get your dog here. And of course I'm like, no, screw that. I'm doing it, doing it myself. And it was comical. You could have made a full sitcom about it. It was ridiculous. Talk to us. We have to hear this because people love traveling with their animals. It's a big market these days. Let's talk about how you get your dog into Patagonia or Argentina. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll try and give you the, the, the distilled version Short version, as, as much as I can do, is that dogs aren't allowed to fly over 85 degrees temperature in the U.S. We were leaving in July, so I had to find a workaround there because there's no nonstop flights out of L.A. So I took the dog and myself on a red-eye to New York City, so the temperatures would be below 85 degrees, and then another red-eye from New York. So I picked the dog up, hung out for 14 hours in New York City with the dog, and then another red-eye down to Buenos Aires. We got to Buenos Aires. There was, I wrote them down. There was like 16 or 18 different stops to get the dog out of the airport. You would just, one guy would stamp your piece of paper and then he would hand you another piece of paper and then you'd get lost and you'd have to, you know, I'm navigating all this in Spanish, having not lived down here, you know, in Latin speaking country for a long, long time. And, you know, as you're bounced around through just the ultimate bureaucracy, hours and hours and hours. But at the end of it, you end up getting the dog and then taking him to an Airbnb in the city. And then the next day, trying to get on a flight where they tell you the temperatures are too cold. <laughs> and then you, you know, you kind of grease the wheels a little bit, not literally tipping anyone, but talking to the right people and get him on the plane and then lands, lands here in San Martin. So it was, that is the, the very shortest version I can give. But wasn't he like a service dog? Like, didn't he sit on your lap? <laughs> no sir we i my conscience couldn't handle trying to do something like that i was like you know, there's too many legitimate people who need this i'm not gonna screw it up for other people dude it's already screwed up brother like you just take care of yourself <laughs> now dude and your dog yeah. I mean, get on you that's a that's a great story that's a very <laughs> incredible like amount of effort you put into that yeah yeah he's here <laughs> he's having a great time yeah, he's he's living the dream. I mean, out of everybody, he's living the dream. The dog, the dog culture here is a little different than uh, I found. Yeah. Dogs mean? just really nice, healthy, own like dogs that have homes just cruise around all day long. All they know how to cross the street. Like, <laughs> like cars in town will stop for the dogs to cross the street. With, with like they're just cruising around. They're they're not with their owner. That's been. I mean, that's one of the biggest adjustments for us. Is just the pace of life is so. So different. No one's rushing around town. Like it's like there's a dog crossing the street. I'll just stop and let the dog cross the street. <laughs> like you know what I mean? The pace is just so different. So do you let your dog roam? Like is it just free to go wherever it wants? Not really. He goes he goes to town with me off the leash and hangs out and but no, he's he's a little bit too much of a nut because he's never he didn't grow up with that lifestyle. He's really hyper. He would he, he would, would get hit by a car. He would legitimately run in front of a car just because he's so hyper. Um, I want to touch upon just you know the length of time in which you're going to be there because you mentioned it's about a year that you're going to try to spend on there with your family before you head back to the states. Is that correct? That's the intention. Um, but 
you know, it's life. Anything can happen. Oh, really? So you're not set in stone. Like it could be six months and you're going to head back. I mean, is it that easy for you just to like get up and move back? And is your house is like being rented back home or like, how'd you leave everything back in the States? Yeah. I think you need to pose this question to my wife after I answer it. But, um, our, our house is leased until the end for, for one year. And then beyond that, it would be easy to have those people stay. Mm-hmm. Tammy, Oh, no, I mean, I have, uh, I want to stay for sure for a year. And, you know, I think as I get more settled in, I have a little bit more of, I can kind of mix thoughts of like, whatever happens, happens. But yeah, kind of in my head, like the plan was this adventurous year of travel and to, to be for sure. But I, I tease I her a bit, but I, yeah. I, I intend to be here for I mean, a yeah. year as well. But it, I, but I'm just keeping the idea open that you never really know. It's, it's, it's going pretty well. I don't. I don't like to put, you know, finite limits on stuff. Fair enough. I mean, Tammy, what, do you have a place aside from you know the place you're in now in South America that you're anxious to see with the family? No, I just want to. I I definitely want to just keep exploring and do as many trips as we can while we're down here. I'm like a, you know, a FOMO. I I, I gotta I gotta get it all in while we're here um, because we're here and I and I want to see as much as we can. But I mean, I definitely I've been south of, of where we are and I want to take the kids back down there. We're hoping to do like a ton of camping this summer. I'm definitely excited. I mean, I'm a winter and a mountain person, but I'm ready for like summer to be here so we can be more outside. We've had quite a bit of rain, um, but I just want to see as much of Argentina as we can. And I'd love to get to Brazil um, if, if that is possible and maybe a few other spots, but yeah, just anywhere we can see before we, I want to get back to Chile too. Chile was awesome. Yeah, we had a great trip in Chile recently. How about you, Nick? Do you have any special spots you want to tick off the list? Not necessarily tick off the list per se. Um, Chiloé, so this island in southern Chile, um, has always kind of been on my radar. And I backpacked through Chile for like a month years ago. And I never made it there. So I think that would probably be – there's some waves over there too. So if if I got lucky, got waves, got the right trip – you know, got a hold of a board, it would be pretty amazing to, to do that. Yeah, it sounds super cool. I was in Chile a few years back and just breathtaking, man. It's such a beautiful coast. And it's so different from the rest of South America because that mountain range just cuts it off from everything. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We found that the drive from here to there. The Puerto Varas was just Port- amazing. Yeah, down, kind of down by Puerto Montt. It's just breathtaking drive, but seriously different climates. Just like, like Tamara said, like four or five hours away. Mm-hmm. Now, you guys are documenting all this, right, on, on your blog called The Crazy Louis Show. Is that correct? Yeah, thecrazylewisshow.com. It, it, it was, uh, I was good about updating at the beginning, but frankly, it's been uh, – I need to get better about making sure that it stays up to date because we want – people you know, are asking me for updates and things like that. I just you get caught up with life like you do anywhere else. You know, the kids are in school and – et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. You kind of ebb and flow and things get busy. And sometimes like you're, it's like, Whoa, what? like we're in like kind of real life again. Like the first probably six weeks was like getting everything figured out and there wasn't as much routine. Now it's much more like routine now. Now I feel like this is home. And so like sometimes things like that, I feel like are kind of getting Go by the wayside. Yeah. yeah. We need to get back on top of it. Was there yep. a purpose to start it? Was it just for friends and family back home or was there a bigger um, idea behind it? The, the blog. 
No, no, just for friends and family. It was actually kind of funny. One of my friends asked if we were going to do one, and I was like, oh, that is so not really Nick and I. We, I, I don't know. And then Nick kind of got really inspired, and he's a good writer. So I think that he's he likes it, um, but he's, you know, obviously doing work too here. And So that was actually one of the things, Tim, is that is this, like, I do my normal job at home, which is, you know, I'm a mortgage broker in California. I've had the company my entire career since, like, you know, 2001. And so... I have this this mixed emotions about you know advertising that I'm not in the country because there's with technology what it is it, it does not impact my job whatsoever my cell phone rings right to my hand everything is exactly the same as if I were in California but some clients are just a little too old school and are concerned that if I'm not physically there for some reason that I can't get the job done and I haven't really found that to be the case with any of my clients but I'm just concerned that it could be if I was you know making this front and center on Facebook, Instagram, et cetera. So I've been a little bit more low key on those platforms and Tamara's posted freely, but I've kind of been a little more low key on it. Interesting. Yeah. It's a funny thought I had never considered, but I mean, it makes sense, you know, with people just still not quite grasping the the fact that you can be anywhere in the world and do what you want. Yep. Hey, Tammy, yeah, I got a, I got a question for you actually just relating to your old job in the wine industry. I mean, Argentina has some yes. great, great wines. What, 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 what are you thinking about that right now? Yeah, well, I've always dreamed of going to Mendoza, so we definitely will get to Mendoza before um, before we leave. And, you know, I've sold a lot of Argentinian wines, so it's been fun to see, like, all these labels. And um, I, uh, I worked for a French company, a champagne house, actually, so um, I love my champagne, which I'm not really getting down here. I'm finding some bubbles, but not, uh, but not quite what um, I, I love um, out of France, but it's been super fun to, to drink the wines. There's some beautiful wines here for sure. And we actually um, will probably see some, uh, some vineyards down south of us. They're making awesome Pinot Noir down there. So it, it'll be fun to see, you know, the wine country while we're here. That's rad. And then next question for you both, answer please individually. What would you say to a family who's thinking about doing this from your own perspective to maybe encourage them to like take that step in and take their family out of their comfort zone and into a, a new one for a year? Yeah, I mean, I would for sure encourage people to do it. If you've got that adventurous spirit, like one of the things that Tammy and I say is that we laugh about a lot is that not a lot of people really want to do what we're doing, frankly. And then there's the people who want to do it and don't do it. And those are the ones that I would say most of your podcasts, because I've listened to your podcast for a long time. I'm always inspired by a lot of the stories too. And who knows, maybe that was even part of, you know, the little kick in the pants I needed to make this happen for us. But, but I think that if you've got the desire, you can make it work out. There's, it's just, I think everyone makes it out to be this, this thing that's, don't get me wrong, it's difficult, but if you really want it, just go for it. It's, you can go back to your normal life. Anytime you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think I knew that a year really does go fast. So I knew that there would be ups and downs, but I knew that I could do it and that I wanted to do it and that it was going to be, you know, I, I have that. The adventure to me it was exciting, the anticipation of like all this stuff. Um, but yeah, there were, you know, there was hard moments. But I would say to a family, like, yes, it like kind of like Nick said, you should go for it if you really want to do it. But I don't think it's for everyone. For sure not. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think people just have to have a realistic idea of what they want. And I think that maybe it would have been helpful to do a little bit more planning. <laughs> but uh, 
And I think some people are probably better at that and would have a little bit more planned out than Nick and I did. So there's I, no doubt that people would have it more planned out. Yeah. Than so I think that um, I think it's a great. I, I think also one of the big things that I've learned is that I kind of thought coming down here was going to be an experience for me. Like I wanted to come to a mountain town and I wanted to do this and all the things that I wanted to do, but I'm realizing that it's actually really more about the kids at this point and all the places that I, I'm planning more trips that are based on like what the, to, to show the kids things that I think they're going to enjoy and just like seeing the, the school and what they're learning. Like I'm just realizing how much more I thought we were kind of dragging them along for our adventure, but I'm realizing that this is so much about an adventure for them. I don't know if that makes sense. I think that's the case for our older one. I think for our younger one, he, you can take him to Catalina and be, you know, yeah, it's it, true. yeah. For our, our daughter, though, she's really embracing a lot of this, like new uh, these new experiences and whatnot. For sure. Well, it's beautiful what you guys are doing for them and for yourselves. I think that's really cool, and I wish you all the best of luck. And thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. We love you. Yeah, thanks, Shaven. Thank you. Yeah, good to hear from you for sure. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nick and Tammy, for joining us today and just being so transparent and real about the trials and tribulations of uprooting a family, moving it to a new environment, and exposing everybody to just new experiences that are obviously going to be very enriching to everyone's lives. If you like Misfits and Rejects, please remember to pull out your phone right now and subscribe. Please leave a comment and a rating after this episode just to help me out in the ratings of iTunes or whatever podcast you are listening on. It really helps me just get more exposure through that helpful rating. Please remember to follow us on Instagram at Misfits and Reject. And if you like what you heard and you want to donate a monthly something just to help me continue to produce these episodes, it's greatly appreciated. Nothing expected, but you can do that at Patreon, at Misfits and Rejects, whatever amount per month that you can afford is super helpful. But again, I love doing this for you guys, so nothing is expected. And please remember that I think all you beautiful Misfits and Rejects out there are so very, very beautiful. See you next episode. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Misfits and Rejects. I hope this inspires you to think about your life situation, where you're at, and possibly make a big decision to choose something different for yourself if you're unhappy with where you're at in life. I hope these people that I interview inspire you to go out, spread your wings, and try something new, to live a different lifestyle that maybe your whole life people were telling you was the wrong one, but when in fact it it's the perfect one for you. And I'll see you next time.